Hey there, Pursuing Freedom friends. Thanks, as always, for being with us today. I've got a fun episode for you today with Carrie White, who's with the agency in Los Angeles. Carrie has been a realtor since 2005, and she is an adventurer. She built her whole business on love and caring for her clients who become her friends. So she is an inspiration for those of you who are thinking that you wish that this business would just be a little bit more about having fun, taking it easy, but having a massively successful business while she's at it. So I'm really excited for her to share her story and inspire you to continue on your journey and crush it in 2020. So Carrie, go ahead and tell us your story, how, when, and why you got into real estate. What did did your journey look like? Were you the rookie of the year? Did you struggle a little bit? We want to hear it all. And then we're going to dig in. Awesome. Erin, thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited. I love that intro. Taking, I'm making things easy, but having fun. I like to believe in simple, fun, and profitable. And yeah, who wants to work with a stuffy old person in a suit who's 60 trying to sell you a home? You want to work with your friends. You want to have fun. You want to relate to people and build a lifestyle brand because that's what homes are. They are the place where you build your lifestyle. So that's been important to me. Um, I've been doing this, I feel like forever because I'm 35 and got licensed my last year of college when I had five classes, was graduating, got my real estate license. Uh, The journey those first few years was not organized. It was not uh, applying like a business. I didn't really know what I was doing. Every time I would call an agent to set up a showing, I would go cry in a bathroom because everything was scary. Everybody was mean. Uh, I would lie about my age. I didn't want to tell anybody that I was 20 or even 21. I would wear the most conservative outfits possible, like button-ups. I was so proper with clients. I was really trying to overcompensate for my age. Somebody once thought I was 30 and I was so excited. (laughs) The most beautiful thing about longevity and success is you can bring more of your own personal your own personality to the business. And that's been the most fun for me the last, I guess, five years is making the business more fun after I feel like I've paid my dues. I'm not saying that you have to do that, but as a younger person, that was my crutch. And it didn't need to be, but it definitely was the the crutch that I walked with for a while. Um, I ended up going to a seminar in 2008, it was, and started getting into the whole coaching side of things. Now, coaching isn't just the coaching, it's applying a business model to the business. I didn't know that you could track and measure how many people you were calling, how many sales. I didn't even know how to make goals. I didn't know how to figure out what my income would be or business pillars or sources. So understanding that your business is going to come from certain people, from certain activities, Like if you sit in open house, I think, okay, I'm sitting in open house, but actually you can meet a neighbor, you can meet a buyer, you can have somebody call you and want to sell their house. So everything that you do, sign in front of a property, a buyer that buys in a building and then someone else calls you who, you know, lives in the building and may want to sell. So I didn't realize how business really, where business comes from in real estate. So starting to apply that. And then I decided that I wanted to meet somebody that lived by the beach. So I realized I couldn't do that in the Valley. So I ended up moving over to the West side nine years ago from the Valley. And that's when my business really started to change. And over the next two, three years started to boom. And then I joined the agency five years ago. And ever since then, I've been in the top of the the company and the city and in all the, the Wall Street Journal for the third time in a row. So things have started to uh, there's a little bit more ease to the production level, so to speak, but this level of production comes with a whole list of 
new, uh, <laughs> I guess, roadblocks and frustrations and things to solve. So I'm an entirely different person than I was five years ago or 10 years ago, or even when I got into the business. And I know that I'm, I'll be an entirely different person in a year from now or in three years from now, because this is, is constantly changing and evolving. And you have to create predictability within a very, very unpredictable business. I love this. So there's there's so much you covered there that we have to <laughs> dig our teeth into here because okay. there's so much there that the listeners need to really hear more about. So first and foremost, I want to back up to when you talked about when you got into coaching and when you made the transition from just kind of winging it and, um, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing to treating your business like a business. And so um, what I think about when I think about coaching is not just, you know, here's the the game plan, go follow it. But there's that personal development that comes along with it as well. It's becoming the type of person who can achieve certain levels of success. And so what did that look like for you as you started to dip your toe into seeking out coaching, seeking out you know, advice from mentors or peers or, you know, collaboration? What, what did it look like for you? It's a beautiful question because what popped into my mind was 2013, I was going down to Australia to visit family and I started re- reading John Maxwell's 12 Irrefutable Laws of Growth. And that book, I feel emotional just talking about it, literally changed my entire perspective because that book talked about the only way to make a change is within. And that just struck me like lightning that nothing I could do externally, the people I knew, the systems, everything would have to come from inside. So I started working on the daily disciplines, the morning mantra, started setting up myself to be kind of an indestructible pillar, you know, not taking things personally, not getting upset from deals falling apart, not taking things personally from friends or dating or any of that. And that started me on a trajectory towards this uh, new lifestyle and being around people who felt the same way and had the same disciplines and read the same books. So it felt like life before that year and life after. And life before felt a little bit like chaos. And now, you know, even this morning I was listening to something and it said unhappiness is a choice. And it's just daily reminders. Like you have to listen to something positive in the morning. You have to think about your goals. You have to you have to depend on yourself to make the life you want. You know, you can choose any, anything you do any day is a choice and you can choose the life you want and just really taking responsibility for that for myself. Yeah. You just touched upon something that I always like to ask the high achievers that we get the opportunity to meet here on the podcast is what are, what are the daily disciplines for you? What does the morning mantra look like for you? Good question. So one of the books I read called, Oh, it's the morning miracle. Miracle, miracle morning. morning. Yeah. Miracle yeah. Morning. I love that book. Yeah. Great book. And that real estate agent and the things he does in the morning. So it's supposed to be savers, which is, um, silence, affirmations, vis- visualization, exercise, reading, and scripture. Scribing, um, right? Journaling. Scribing. Yeah. yeah. Scripture. Scribing. I do a very condensed version of that. So I usually allow 20 minutes before I go to the gym where I write down my goals and I do meditation, but I don't do the rest of it. Um, every once in a while, like once a week, I'll do some journaling. And at the end of the day, I reflect on things that I wish I had done better that day. And that could even be, I was snappy with my assistant or I wasn't as engaging with a client who was stressed out or 
I didn't mirror and match as well when I was prospecting or I was short with my husband on the phone. So I look at those every night and, and think I can be better the next day. I love that. The other thing you talked about was this idea of, you know, life before and life after and the idea that anything is possible. And I love that because that's what pursuing freedom is all about. It's this idea of, you know, building your dream life powered by your dream business. So were you always someone who, I mean, I understand what you were saying about before it was a little more chaotic. Now it's more systematized. Um, are you someone who has always embraced systems and structure in your life and business? Or is that something you had to develop in order to make this business easier? Does that make sense? Yeah, I definitely had to develop it. Although I'm an organized person, it just was a whole new realm, I guess, of business. I did not have any of that. Being chaotic was also the emotional side of it. I didn't, I didn't have like a sustain. I didn't have an anchor. I didn't understand the idea of choice or having your own future, building your own life. It just, it, it felt like it was a rat race. It felt like the world was happening to me and I wasn't happening. And considering how I was brought up, there was like grade school, high school, I was definitely a lot more confident and happy. And then once I got into my twenties in the real world, it was kind of a dark time in my life, especially in real estate. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have disciplines. I didn't really have systems. I didn't know how to get business. And I was just struggling, maybe selling three or four houses a year, making like 50, 60,000. That's pretty hard to live by in LA. And I just didn't know how to, how to make it different, how to make a change. So that's why when I say life before and life without, I just felt like an entirely different person than now. And especially kind of that inner confidence or that inner calmness where you just know yourself and you trust yourself and hey, not everybody's going to like you and not everybody's going to want to work with you. And you're going to lose a few friends along the way as you grow and change and you're not the same way anymore. But that's just, it, that's your path that you're blazing and you're, you're trying to build your life and you're trying to get that freedom that you're discussing, pursue, pursuing freedom. So that's part of the, the drawbacks that comes with it. Well, it's really beautiful. And it sounds like that you, you really are sort of in the pursuit of that knowledge and that evolution and, and, and becoming the kind of person you want to be who attracts the kind of business you want to attract. Do you find yourself being more selective and feeling a little bit more like, I use the, I use the expression, you know, to be like a sniper rifle and not like a shotgun trying to hit any old target, but instead get really specific about the type of clientele, the type of business you want to attract Absolutely. so that you can sort of manifest that dream business. How's that looking for you today? 100%. One of my affirmations is that I'm attracting buyers and sellers on the West side who want to buy and sell in the next 30 days, who, who listen to me, answer me, refer me, trust me. Those are my mantras. Those are the types of people I want to work with. If there's someone that doesn't answer me, doesn't trust me, doesn't refer me, is not looking in this area, then that's not somebody that I, I'm attracting when I visualize and, and say that in the morning. So that's very important to me. And I just don't like working with jerks, to say politely. If someone's rude, I we close escrow. I do not follow up with them. And that's hard for me to do because I have a system and I check in and I just I have to walk away because I don't like working with people who aren't are respectful of me or of my time or of other people in the deal? Well, I think that that's super important. And I think that sometimes newer agents who are listening, it, it's the fear that drives us to want to serve anyone instead of 
to create a plan of what types of clients specifically you want to attract. Because when you're hungry, you're paralyzed by fear. And so it's the fear that drives you to be that agent for everybody. And I feel like there's there, it's a grind when you operate that way. So the sooner that you can get more specific, I love that you have that very specific mantra that is clearly defined because it's, it, of course, it helps you attract mm-hmm. that type of client. Um, my other question for you is when you talk about systems, I, I don't always get super technical, but it sounds to me like you could pr- definitely provide some value to the listeners in the way that you operate. So wh- what systems would you say are probably the most powerful for making the success of your business predictable and growth possible? Because a lot of people, you ha- you're experiencing a, a high level of volume. You have a very successful business. There comes a time where if you don't create those systems, then the predictability actually goes out the window and then you see all the ups and downs. So yes. what kind of systems have you implemented that could help our listeners, you know, to copy and emulate in their own business? Good question. I would say, I say this to my assistants all the time, act like you don't have a memory. Erase your memory and everything that happens in a transaction, have a system for it. So if a document comes in, if the 9A is ordered, if the escrow needs to be open, there's a template. Nothing is for memory. If a client says, hey, can you find out how much they're paying for the security alarm or whatever? If you go, sure. And you think, okay, I'll remember that later. No memory. Everything must be written down. And that's a system that is just a rule of thumb for the entire team. Um, if I'm on the phone with someone and I'm saying some things and they're not writing it down, I'm thinking like, how in the hell is this person going to remember it? So I usually write it down and then email it to them after like, here's what we discussed. Because I find that if people aren't writing things down, they will mess it up somewhere along the line, just somewhere. So we have notes sections for our transactions. We have a checklist. So as soon as we open escrow, you know, boom, 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 boom. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to prep the client with. I guess the inconsistent part is that the clients are all different. Some of them are like DocuSign comes through and they sign it right away. They don't have any questions. They have no time. They're scrambling. They'll read documents late at night and answer escrow or run over at the last minute. And then there's the kind that immediately are asking you a hundred questions the day you open. And you're like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And every question is ahead of all our stuff and you have to kind of slow them down and people that read everything. Uh, It takes about an hour to run through the RPA, the residential purchase agreement, which I've done a few times. Most people don't even ask for that. So you have to learn right away what kind of client you're working with and then guide them based on that. Some of them just want to talk to you. They just want to talk things out. Um, And just understanding that you're not there to sell them the house. You're there to guide them through the process and make sure it's a right fit for them. If the house isn't good for them and you need to cancel that it's not about you. You remove your you remove yourself entirely. If they don't buy that house, some they'll buy something else. Something else good will come from that. But that um, kind of reminds me of the scarcity mindset when we were just talking about clients. That when you're a newer agent, you're just holding on to everything because you're you have fear that you're not going to make money. So it's that scarcity. If you remove that and know and trust that you will get business and you will attract the right type of people that helps with, with targeting the people you want to work with. But as far as the systems, yeah, writing everything down, checking off on the checklist, making everything repeatable. So if somebody wants to apply for one of our leases and we write an email, turn it into a template so that during the day, almost everything we're doing is templated. Copy, paste, copy, paste, because we get the same questions and trying to be one step ahead. Hey, we're closing next week. These are the things that you're these are the things they ask us that we put into an email, XYZ, utilities, trash days, um, moving companies, boxes, warnings, 
all those types of things. So just making sure that we have copy and paste of everything, the checklist systems. We have our CRM, which is top producer, which we put birthdays, anniversaries, notes. If somebody refers us somebody, we put that in there. Um, Google Drive we use as well. So those are the main systems that we use. But basically the write everything down system is the main one. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I mean, the level of professionalism that you bring to your business is it's number one, it's helping you attract the business and succeed, but it's also simplifying. And I think that there's so many people in our industry that are literally winging every single deal and yeah. they, they don't want to slow down in order to speed up. And right. we talked recently on a podcast with Corey Williams about the idea that you just need to, if you don't already have this type of organization in your business, that the first thing you should do after listening to this is just stop listen to it again and again and listen to what Carrie has just said with ease is that she's got the systems in place. She slows down to make sure to record something so that she doesn't have to repeat it and wing it over and over and over again and let this business continue to be chaotic, which it can be. I mean, there's people that are operating at your level of success and have been in the business just as long and have still not done what you've done. Which I is, get that. Yeah. I, what do they say the amount of agents that don't even have a CRM, a contact? I think it was 60% is the last yeah. stat I heard. 60% of people. Nothing wrong with that. Like the, one of the owners of my company sells 300 million in real estate a year and he's knows a ton of people, is a schmoozer and he doesn't really use a CRM. He's just magical, but he has his own systems in a different way, but he's got his systems. Everyone uses something differently. But um, I don't know why you wouldn't want to use a checklist. If you get into an escrow, how are you going to know what to do? Like, if you Google escrow checklist, buyer escrow checklist, seller escrow checklist, you'll get 80 million checklists and you can just copy one of those. It's very, very easy. Yeah. I mean, I never trust my brain. I stopped trusting my brain a long time ago. <laughs> yes. Even driving home, if I need to stop somewhere, it has to be a reminder at the exact time I'm going home because I just won't. Everything has to be written down. If it's not written down, it doesn't happen. If it's not in your schedule, it doesn't happen. I love it. Well, um, we don't have too much time today and there's definitely a topic I want to dig into here because your branding is phenomenal. I, you guys, you have to follow Carrie White on Instagram, check her out on YouTube. Um, I want to dig in a little bit to how did you, and when did you kind of rip the bandaid off and push through the fear? Because the content you're putting out there is magnetic. I really believe that. Like I felt like I knew you before I ever interviewed you because you're drawing, you were drawing me in with your content. And I think that that is a topic that needs to be touched upon today because there's so many people that know they need to be doing it and they simply don't know how or where to begin. So has it, is that also been kind of an evolution for you where you started to see the traction and then that kind of motivated you to implement that system into your business? Well, it's like everything in business with systems. You can't expect an immediate return. There's no instant gratification, like everything in life. And that's the hardest thing is, is the why behind it. You're posting and you're putting things out there and you're like, does this even matter? Does anybody care? Is anybody looking at this? And it, it takes a while. But what it is, it's exactly what you just said that before we talked today, you thought you felt like you knew me and people work with people that they what like and trust. So if you're sitting a seller sitting across from a table with three people and they all have the same marketing charge, the same, who are they going to pick the one that they like? So you have to be a likable, trustworthy, authentic person. And there's so many times that I have won a client just because of those reasons, or I've gotten a call. Someone said, Oh, I was referred to you. And they 
are acting like they're my best friend. And then I meet them and like, yeah, I was watching this video and I had a question about this, or I learned this from that video. And I was wondering if we could do the same thing and send out letters to people that want to sell. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) like, wow. Okay. So people do their research. You know, we all Google everything. So you have to realize that whether you're putting something out there or not, you are your own brand. So if you're not really posting or you're posting minimally or your website's not great, that's your brand. So when people are Googling you, they feel like you're an invisible agent. They don't know who you are. They're not going to trust you. If they're seeing you out and about and selling houses or talking about selling houses, I mean, there's a lot of agents that don't sell much that post on Caravan or post information. So they seem trustworthy and like they're doing business, but you're making, you're creating your brand, whether you're intentionally trying to do it or not. So you may as well put together a plan and make it a good brand and a good message. Well, but here's the thing is it's a plan. It comes back to the plan. It comes back to the systems. It comes back to having intention in your business. And, and it's very inspiring what you are implementing because I know for folks that are listening, sometimes it just feels overwhelming, right? There's, it feels sometimes like there's so much I could be doing and I need to be posting. And because there is no plan and they're doing it in a reactive way on the daily or on the weekly or when they realize they haven't posted in two weeks, yes. there is no plan. And that's why it's such a struggle. The reality is that the plan you've implemented simplifies it for you. It almost to the point of automation, right? Completely. Yeah. It basically is automated because we plan everything out except for my stories. And if I do a personal post once in a while, but even the pictures I take personally, that goes into the calendar, we figure out when we're posting it, what we're going to say about it. So there's no just random postings. But the plan, oh gosh, it's so overwhelming, especially leaving like any seminar that you go to or even listening to like a podcast like this. There's 20 things. And then you just think, oh my God, there's too much. And you get that paralysis, uh, not being able to do anything because there's too many things to do. So I always say, start small, look at one or two or three things and just commit to that. And over the next 30 days, see how it works. So with the social media, I would say, create a weekly plan and post three times, four times, and just commit to that and say, what am I going to post? And remember that people want to learn about you. They want to see you with your kids, your dog at the beach, working out, whatever. They don't want to see the inside of a living room and a kitchen and rah, rah, rah about real estate all the time. It has to be 80% personal. So keeping that in mind, just look at what you like when you're on Instagram, what makes you want to comment or like things, what's attractive to you. And that's going to be your brand. So if you pick three or four posts a week and be like, okay, I'm going to post that I'm going on a hike. I'm going to post that I'm going to my painting class and post a picture of it. I'm going to post with my grandma or I'm going to post with my little niece or just something. Think about the things. And even if you think it's dumb, nobody cares. It doesn't matter. They do care. It's very odd. It's like all those YouTube, famous YouTube people that I don't know. They do stupid shit and everybody, sorry. It's okay. Okay. (laughs) It's something. There's plenty of curse words on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, quite a potty mouth. Um, They, it just, it, you, I feel like half the stuff I'm doing, why does anybody care? But they do. People just want to get out of their own bubble of life. They want to experience someone else's life. And that's why social media is so powerful because they get to feel like a taste. When I got back from my honeymoon from the Maldives, of all the people that I, saw not one, maybe one person said, how was it? Everybody else said your honeymoon looked amazing. Oh my gosh. How did you pick that place? It's like my, my real story didn't matter because they saw this, the story that I curated that I put together on Instagram. So I'm putting out there what I want people to think about my business and my life and what's really going on behind the scenes. 
that's something that maybe my husband knows when I'm bitching when I'm at home at night about XYZ or that asshole client or that stupid person that did that. So right. that's not what you're putting out there on social media, which is also another reminder to people just to know that everyone is struggling. Everyone that is successful is struggling behind the scenes. But social media is not for your struggle. It's not for the negativity. It's for inspiration, entertainment. So that's that's the plan to put into place. Just start small and commit to putting up certain posts. Like we do Monday motivation, Tuesdays carry TV, Wednesdays woman, Wednesday empowerment, Thursdays usually just listed, just sold hot deal, Friday cocktail, Saturday can be a selfie or whatever, Sunday's open house. That's our schedule, but it can be anything of the sort. But I love it because you literally just rattled off your schedule because again, it comes back to, you know, when you operate in your business, the the way that you explain something to a client over and over and over again becomes a script, right? Well, so does the way that you generate your success. The way that you build your business should be scripted because when you don't have a plan and you're winging it every day, the reality is that what I see so many agents doing is they're ping-ponging around through their day because they don't have a schedule. They don't have a calendar. They don't know when they're doing what. So guess what's happening? They're doing nothing. They're doing nothing to grow their business and they're frustrated with the results. This amount of structure and organization is liberating. It's not confining you because you don't have to think. You don't have to do work in it, right? I personally love it. I can look at any escrow I have and see exactly what's done and what's not done. And someone said to me once, treat your business like you have 100 escrows at a time. If you had 100 escrows, do you think you'd have a system for them? Yes. So if you have one escrow, have the same system. Yeah, everything is a scalable business or you'll never scale. Well, and the beautiful thing about that is that if there is one escrow, right, that means you have plenty of time to be working on that system. Honestly, it's like map it out, get clear. What is your goal setting process look like? I'm just curious. As far as numbers and transactions? Well, like what do you have a process that you work through as you do your business plan each year to get kind of get clear on, okay, what worked, what didn't work? And what am I going to tweak? What am I going to do more of? What am I going to cut out as you go into each new year? Definitely. A lot of it now is figuring out what of the lower end of the business I can refer out or how I can do that. Like we decided for the next year, because I don't, I do quite a bit of lease listings, probably like 5 million in lease listings. Um, but they take up quite a bit of time. So my coach talked about referring them, co-listing them. So that's one of our plans for next year so that I'm not involved in the leases at all. There, there's still money. I mean, some of these lease checks are four or five grand. So it's not, you know, not turning their noses or they're dear clients of mine that I need, you know, they need help. Um, that's one of them. And also not working anything out of the West side because I'm from the Valley. So I have a lot of business in Sherman Oaks and whatever. So make my dad will help me with some of that. Uh, business more so. So really trying to hyper-focus on where I am and the price point and dig more into that. Awesome. Well, what you were saying about your social media strategy is interesting because when you think about the relationships you're building with your clients, and you know, you mentioned that in your CRM, you have anniversaries and birthdays and notes and things like that. And one of the things that I always talk about with coaching clients is the idea that the real estate transaction is one small piece of someone's big entire life. And for you, the way that you're approaching your marketing strategy is very similar, right? Your career, your real estate business is a a big part of your life. It's what you do for a living and it's what, you know, it's how you generate your income. But you as a human being is the person they want to work with. They don't want to work with the best salesperson in the world. They want to work with the best human being in the world. And so by having 80% of your content be personal and inspirational and motivational and all that other stuff, you're drawing in your tribe 
which is helping you be more selective and be more focused and then ultimately having more fun in the business, which is the goal, right? Yeah. You said that beautifully. That's yeah. all very true. They, do, they don't care if you broke a record. They don't care if you're number one. They care. They want to like you and they want to feel like you have their back. Yeah. I love that. So um, I've already mentioned that you're on Instagram, you're on YouTube, but tell folks how they can get in touch with you because I really do believe that folks who are feeling stuck with their social media strategy, systems, whatever, can easily follow you and emulate you. And I just think you're doing a beautiful job and it's no wonder that you're having the success you're having. So how can folks either follow you or get a hold of you, find you, what's the best? My Instagram is Carrie Ann, Carrie Ann, K-E-R-I-A-N-N. It's it's a little more personal and funky than like Carrie White real estate, but I'll never change that. Um, DM is hard because there's a lot of junk on there. So I would say email me, which is Carrie at CarrieWhite.com, K-E-R-I-K-E-R-I-W-H-I-T-E.com. If you Google Carrie White, I am very easy to find. I'll come up everywhere. So email is probably the best. Also, folks, if you're listening, you know somebody who's buying specifically on the West Side in LA. Buying or selling. You can feel her heart coming through on this podcast. So make sure that you refer to Carrie in California um, because we know she's going to take care of your clients because you can just feel it. So thank you, Carrie, for taking the time to be on the show today. Thank you, Erin. It was very fun. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And thanks to you guys for listening today. As always, I implore you. I know you're probably driving as you listen to this, but you know, when you get where you're going, before you get out of the car, go onto the podcast app, wherever you're consuming this content and make sure to leave a review. Five stars, duh, because this helps us continue to attract great guests like Carrie and help folks find this content to help them on their journey. So as always, I love and appreciate you. I hope you make it an awesome day.